What you're hearing isn't fireworks. That is a rocket launch against Hamas and the Iron Dome being stretched to its limit to intercept those missiles. This week, we are going to talk about the Hamas incursion into Israel and Israel's response. Welcome to episode 60, the season finale of Destination Disaster. I am your host, Devin Carney. This episode we're covering covers the recent escalation and the surprise attack of Hamas militants against Israeli forces. While similar escalations like this have occurred, this latest attack is unprecedented and shows that Israeli forces could have been woefully underprepared for an offensive of this size. Before we jump directly into that story, let's cover some of the history that led up to the situation we are witnessing unfold before the world today. In the heart of the Middle East lies a land that has been a battleground for decades land where the Israel-Palestine conflict has shaped the lives of millions. This conflict is deeply rooted in history, religion, and politics. Our story begins in the late 19th century when Jewish nationalism, known as Zionism, emerged. Zionists sought a homeland for the Jewish people in Palestine. Then, part of the Ottoman Empire became part of their focus. In 1917, the Balfour Declaration expressed British support for a Jewish homeland in Palestine, laying the groundwork for future tensions. In the aftermath of World War I, the League of Nations granted Britain a mandate to govern Palestine. Jewish and Arab communities coexisted, but tensions escalated as Jewish immigration increased. In 1947, the United Nations proposed a partition plan, dividing Palestine into separate Jewish and Arab states. The plan was accepted by Jewish leaders, but rejected by Arab leaders, leading to violence. The violence culminated in 1948 when the state of Israel was officially declared, leading to the first Arab-Israeli war. Hundreds of thousands of Palestinians fled or were expelled from their homes in what they call a Nakba, or catastrophe. The war ended in 1949, leaving Israel with expanded borders and a deepening refugee crisis. Over the following decades, numerous conflicts have erupted, including the Suez Crisis, the Six-Day War in 1967, and the Yom Kippur War in 1973. Peace talks and negotiations were attempted with significant efforts in the Oslo Accords in the 1990s. However, lasting peace remained elusive as both sides struggled with issues of borders, refugees, and the status of Jerusalem. The 21st century witnessed continued tensions with intermittent escalations leading to the devastating conflicts in Gaza. Efforts by the international community to broker peace continued, but the deep-seated animosity, territorial disputes, and security concerns persisted. Amidst this history of conflict, there have been instances of cooperation and understanding between Israelis and Palestinians. Grassroots initiatives, dialogue, and people-to-people exchanges have shown glimmers of hope, reminding that the world that peace is achievable if both sides can find common ground and empathy for each other's narratives. However, tensions have once again reached a boiling point to the situation that occurred on October 8th. This attack takes place on the 50th anniversary of a similarly deadly attack and on an incredibly important Jewish holiday called Simchat Torah. This attack is being called the deadliest attack on Jewish civilians since the Holocaust. 
On Saturday, October 7th, the Hamas militant faction launched a large-scale attack utilizing missile barrages, paragliders, and large amounts of armed personnel overwhelming checkpoints and outposts. Immediately following the attack, Israel's Iron Dome missile defense system was activated, but due to the sheer volume of rockets screaming across the border, not all could be intercepted in time. Also during this time, when Hamas fighters were crossing into Israeli-held territory, the militants opened fire on unarmed civilians attending a music festival in Rayim. One attendee told the BBC that after cutting the electricity, a group of approximately 50 Hamas gunmen arrived in vans and sprayed gunfire in every direction. At least some of the Hamas gunmen who attacked the festival infiltrated Israel via motorized paragliders arriving around 6.30 a.m. around sunrise. As festival attendees fled in panic, jeeps filled with gunmen began firing at the cars. Others who hid in the trees were murdered as militants went tree by tree shooting. The incident unfolded amid a rocket siren signaling a barrage of rockets fired into Israel. Let me reiterate here. The Hamas militants targeted unarmed civilians who were attending a music festival that was promoting peace. The following interview is provided by NBC News. The terrorists were coming from four or five places, not like one direction. So we didn't know where to go here. So then I start, I got into my car again. I drove a little bit more. I got uh, some, some, some people were shooting on me. I left the car. I start to run. I saw a, a place with many uh, pomelo, pomelo, pomelo tree. Many, many pomelo trees. Like it was there like 200 trees. Okay. So I was going in the middle, just in the middle. And I was lying in the floor. It was the second hidden that I find. And they were just all around me. And they were going tree by tree and shooting everywhere from two sides and I saw many people like people were dying like all around and then my boyfriend just came with his uh, motorbike through all the things and he came in and picked me in some point I was the first one to go out of the field still people took them like two three hours to go out and all the way people were dying all the way on the road young people it's a festival for young people Many, many people are dying in the road. Thanks for watching. Stay updated about breaking news and top stories on the NBC News app or follow us on social media. In the hours following the events of October 7th, Israel's President Netanyahu declared a state of emergency and the Israeli Defense Forces announced a state of readiness for war. From what I've read, this readiness state activates several functions within the Israeli Defense Forces and Israeli Border Police. Security areas have been established along the border towns where fighting initially broke out. Israel retaliated against the invasion by bombarding strategic buildings and military targets, with 20 reported cases of shelling of civilian infrastructure, including residential buildings, mosques, hospitals, and banks. The Palestinian Ministry of Health, led by Hamas and Gaza, reported Israel had killed at least 500 Palestinians in gunfights and by airstrikes in Gaza and Israel, including civilians, 78 children, and 41 women, while the Israeli Defense Forces stated that it killed more than 400 terrorists in response to the bombardments against targets in Gaza City. Hamas has threatened to execute hostages each time a civilian structure is struck without warning. Allies for both sides have extended concern for the loss of life that is occurring on the ground and have called for peace. 
Several countries such as Poland, Mexico, and the Netherlands have sent in evacuation flights to move their country's nationals out of harm's way. It is suspected that several hundred hostages remain under custody of Hamas. The United States has ordered Carrier Strike Group 12 to the Mediterranean Sea as a show of force and supplements the additional Air Force squadrons deployed into the theater. In addition, the United States has begun sending supplies to bolster IDF soldiers. On October 8th, overnight strikes conducted by the Israeli Air Force struck nearly 430 targets throughout the Gaza Strip. The series of strikes was the opening blow, softening Hamas targets and allowing Israeli ground forces to mobilize. Overnight, Israel struck up to 426 targets in the Gaza Strip. The town of Beit Hanun was mostly leveled by airstrikes, and the Al-Amin Muhammad Mosque was destroyed. Targets also included various housing blocks, tunnels, homes of Hamas officials, and the Watan Tower, which served as a hub for internet providers in the area. Evacuations of residents living near the Gaza Strip were ordered, and Netanyahu appointed former Brigadier General Gal Hirsch as the government's point man on missing and kidnapped citizens. The IDF said it has called up over 300,000 reservists and said it is aiming to eliminate Hamas's military capabilities and overthrow its rule over the Gaza Strip. The following day, on October 9th, Airstrikes continued to bombard suspected Hamas sites with over 500 strikes being recorded. Infantry fighting vehicles and heavy armor has been seen amassing on the border in preparation of a ground offensive. Palestinian authorities have stated that Israeli forces continue to bomb the incredibly dense city in Gaza without advanced warning to innocent civilians. Simultaneously, Israel declared a total blockade of supplies into Gaza, including power, water, and food. Human Rights Watch called the order abhorrent and called on the International Criminal Court to take note of this call to commit a war crime. The IDF said 15 communities around the Gaza Strip had been evacuated. On October 11th, Hezbollah and Israeli forces engaged in smaller armed skirmishes along the Israel-Lebanon border, prompting Israeli officials to order shelter-in-place warnings for civilians. Much of the focus remains on the total blockade that is forcing citizens in Gaza into complete darkness without viable sources for food fresh drinking water and those needing critical aid. While you may not view conflict as a disaster, the conflicts for innocent civilians in harm's way tells a much different story. Nearly 400,000 have been displaced as a result of their homes being destroyed in airstrikes, and with no end in sight, where are the innocent to turn? The United Nations has called for aid to be delivered, but with the risk of airstrikes, I'm not sure that the flow of aid will be efficient enough to support the demand. On top of that, on October 12th, Israeli forces were seen dropping leaflets from aircraft advising over 1 million people to evacuate to southern Gaza. To me, that's impossible and only places more lives at risk when you force that many people to move at once. With about 2.4 million people packed into just 140 square miles, residents living in the Gaza Strip, wedged between Israel, Egypt, and the Mediterranean Sea, were experiencing threats to their food and water supply even before Hamas's surprise terrorist attack on Israel led to war. Thousands of years of conflict in this region has also degraded the land, leaving reverberating environmental effects and making it nearly impossible for Gaza to produce its own food supply, Doug Weir, research and policy director of the Conflict and Environmental Observatory, told ABC News. The recurring periods of violence have led to high levels of disruption to infrastructure, particularly water and sanitation, as well as power plants, Weir said. I believe that we are on the cusp of witnessing one of the largest military operations undertaken since the launch of the Russian invasion of Ukraine in 2022. However, 
I don't foresee this conflict lasting as long as the prolonged, drawn-out conflict that Hamas is hoping for. Israel is armed, trained, and angry. Hamas's attack and newly discovered evidence of torture and beheadings has pissed off the Israeli government, and any talks may be off the table. With over 300,000 active and reserve forces amassed on the border, this isn't going to be a pretty scenario no matter how you look at it. The United Nations said that fighting has displaced more than 423,000 Palestinians, while Israeli airstrikes had destroyed 1,000 homes and rendered 560 housing units uninhabitable. It also said that Israeli actions has caused water shortages affecting 650,000 people. On October 13th, Hezbollah officials stated that they would support Hamas forces and engage IDF forces according to their own agenda. Hezbollah Deputy Chief Sheikh Naim Qasim said that when the time comes for any action, we will carry it out, stating that Hezbollah was ready and would contribute to confrontations against Israel according to its own plan. The IDF fired artillery into southern Lebanon following an explosion that caused minor damage to a section of the Israel-Lebanon border wall near the kibbutz of Hanita. A Lebanese Reuters correspondent was killed and at least four other journalists were injured. As of October 14th, heavy loss of civilian life has been reported throughout Gaza. The Gaza Strip has suffered heavy civilian casualties from the bombardment since the beginning of the war. The Ministry of Health in Gaza reported that as of October 14th, at least 2,215 Palestinians, including 724 children and 458 women had been killed, and 8,714 others had been injured. In the West Bank, related violence since the start of the conflict had killed 53 Palestinians and 16 deaths recorded on October 13th alone. On October 15th, the Egyptian Red Crescent Society began stockpiling humanitarian aid at the Rafah crossing hoping that Israeli officials would allow this vital route to be opened, allowing those innocent Palestinian civilians to receive critical aid that they need and have been cut off for days from now. Additionally, at this time, four Gazan hospitals are no longer functional, and the IDF demands that 21 hospitals in northern Gaza evacuate according to the World Health Organization. A Gazan surgeon working for Doctors Without Borders notes that Al-Shifa Hospital is going through a month to a month and a half of supplies daily. As per the Committee to Protect Journalists, at least 12 journalists have been killed and 8 wounded to date. Furthermore, 2 are missing. Israeli forces have also completed the reactivation of water pipes that supply water to southern Gaza. On October 16th, the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower carrier, along with its escorts, were deployed from Naval Station Norfolk en route to the Mediterranean Sea. This strike group is believed to be replacing the Ford currently deployed in the theater. However, that same day, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin confirmed the extension of the Gerald R. Ford's deployment. This will bolster the security in the area. Also, during this time, Hamas released footage of over 200 hostages being held by different factions. Their health and status remain unknown at this point. Iran, a longtime ally of Hamas, threatened to intervene in any conflict should Israel continue its hostilities towards Gaza. On October 17th, the situation in this area of the world continued to deteriorate. The United States Department of State officially raised its travel advisory to a level 4 in Lebanon, advising United States citizens to not travel there. Another deadly explosion rocked a hospital in Gaza, this time at the Al-Ali Arab Hospital, where thousands of displaced Palestinians were seeking shelter. 
the initial estimated fatalities range in the hundreds. The IDF claims that a Palestinian Islamic Jihad rocket attack had failed, whereas the Gazan Health Ministry claims that it was an IAF airstrike. Independent analysis indicated that it was likely a failed rocket attack. Protests erupted worldwide, including in Ramallah and Hebron and the occupied West Bank. Protesters from Ramallah demanded the downfall of Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas. On October 19th, while patrolling the Red Sea, the USS Kearney, an Arleigh Burke-class destroyer, intercepted rockets launched by the Houthi, a Yemeni militant organization. While the intended targets were either not known or not released to the public, they were intended for Israel. This missile launch shows that the conflict continues to ramp up and is at risk of dragging the entire region into a full-blown conflict. Another stark warning is issued by the U.S. Department of State, issuing a rare worldwide travel advisory to United States citizens, urging caution while traveling abroad. The USS Mount Whitney, a command and control vessel, is ordered to the eastern Mediterranean from its home port in Gaeta, Italy. This ship can process and transmit large amounts of secure data from anywhere on Earth. Additionally, the Department of Defense ordered 2,000 special operations capable Marines to deployable status so the situation continued to deteriorate on the ground in Israel and Gaza. On October 20th, the Palestinian Ministry of Health stated that over 4,000 Palestinians have been killed by indiscriminate bombing campaigns by the Israeli Air Force and over 13,000 injuries have been reported. In addition to the deaths and injuries of Palestinian citizens, foreign nationals are being killed as well. 30 Thai are reported to have been killed in the initial Hamas attack. 17 are missing. More than 100 Chinese nationals have left Israel. To date, nationals of Brazil, Poland, Hungary, Romania, Nigeria, and the United Kingdom have fully been repatriated. Australia announced repatriation flights and India set Operation Ajay in motion. Furthermore, the Netherlands is the latest nation to urge its citizens to leave Lebanon. October 21st witnessed the release of two Israeli-American hostages, Judith and Natalie Renan, from Hamas control. Qatar provided the mediation for this release. Israel's National Security Council urged its civilians to leave Lebanon and Egypt as soon as possible, fearing possible attacks on its citizens abroad. Finally, after further deliberation, the Rafah humanitarian aid crossing was opened, allowing only 20 trucks through with crucial aid. However, fuel was not included on this round. As of right now, that is the most current information available to us. The Israel-Palestine conflict remains a poignant reminder of the complexities of the human experience. It serves as a call to action, urging the world to work towards understanding, tolerance, in a future where both Israelis and Palestinians can coexist in peace and prosperity. As we round out this season, the only thing that I can think to say is thank you. Thank you for all of the continued support that you provide to this show. Without all of you, this show would be nothing. I'm super happy to report that we now have a consistent listener base of about 150 people per week. While that may not sound like much, to me and the hard work that has gone into this show, it's astronomical. We have listeners from every corner of the globe to include New Zealand, South Africa, Uganda, Zambia, Zimbabwe, Spain, Portugal, and several other countries. Once again, thank you, Tatenda, Nitumezi, Danki, and Gracias.
you all are the lifeblood of this show. There is going to be a hiatus of about a month as I'm going to be out of country on vacation. In the meantime, please continue to share the show with those around you. Send me episode suggestions to the email in the show notes. The goal is to have episodes return on November 21st. Please stay tuned to the show's Instagram page for any updates. Until next season, this has been Destination Disaster.